You're listening to MLB.com Extras, brought to you by MLB.tv. It's baseball everywhere. As the Red Sox continue to play inspired baseball down the stretch, the front office continues to undergo a major makeover. Welcome to MLB.com Extras, Boston Red Sox. Matt Waymeyer joined by Red Sox reporter Ian Brown as we chat on a Tuesday afternoon. Ian, a pleasure as always, and a whole heck of a lot going on with this team's front office. You need a flow chart or something to keep it all together. Uh, this past week alone, Mike Hazen named the new GM. Uh, former Braves GM Frank Wren has been brought aboard. The new senior VP of baseball operations, uh, current CEO Sam Kennedy, is going to take over for Larry Lucchino as team president in mid-October. Lucchino, meanwhile, given emeritus status by the team. And on top of all that, Jerry DePoto uh, leaves the Red Sox. He's now the new GM in Seattle. It's enough to make your head spin. So, uh, Ian, just take a few moments to kind of break this all down, break down the power structure of this new look front office. And, of course, let's not forget about Dave Dombrowski. <laughs> yeah, no, there's, there's certainly a lot of uh... – a lot of changes, but you know one thing hasn't changed, and that's that uh, you know James Dombrowski is uh, the guy that's running the team right now, and uh, the guys he's bringing in are nothing are going to be good support guys. But uh, I think they they made a lot of good changes. They kind of uh, you know, they've gone about it in different ways, where they promoted the guy from within, and Mike Hazen, who has been with this team you know for a long time and knows the ins and outs, knows all the prospects. Uh, has background with every player in the organization. Then Dave Dombrowski and you know Mike's going to be the GM, and then Dave brings in one of his most trusted confidants, and Frank Wren, you know, a guy he worked with in Montreal um, and in Florida to help uh, you know help evaluate other teams, and they sort of think the same way. So I think uh, a lot of excitement here with the Red Sox. I really like the way Dave has gone about this. You know, he didn't just take the job and, and uh, you know, rip it apart by storm and just bring it all his own. He really he talked to every single person in the organization, every single person in baseball operations, uh, to gauge, you know, the temp to take the temperature and uh, do as he saw fit. And he did all this for, you know, a month before he really went out and made moves and made hires and made promotions. So I think Dave deserves a lot of credit for just, uh, you know, the very methodical way he, he's gone about the chair in Boston. Yeah, he's certainly uh, gone to work since inheriting uh, that job with the Red Sox. And, uh, Ian, I'm curious about Jerry DePoto, uh, of course, a former GM with the Angels before he was named the new GM of the Mariners on Monday. At any point, was he under consideration for the Red Sox opening, considering that that had been open for a couple of months uh, once Ben Charrington had departed? Yeah, no, Dave Zembrowski said last week at Fenway, he said, look, I really want to hire Jerry DePoto. Um and, uh, you know, this was after he decided to make um, Hayes and the general manager. I don't know if he had made that offer to Toto first. I'm really not sure. But, uh, you know, I think that just that Jerry was in a position where he was being courted with other teams to have a, a, a more powerful role than he had with the Red Sox. So, hey, you know, um, Dave Dombrowski, like I said, is really the guy here in Boston. And uh, Jerry DePoto could really make his stamp on that front office in Seattle. So I think that's, that's all it was. But, yeah, the, uh, Dombrowski would have loved to have had a guy like DePoto. He's a very – Highly regarded. No question, but I'm sure, you know, people are very uh, high on Mike Hazen. And uh, what sort of relationship was there between Mike Hazen and Ben Charrington? Did Hazen kind of, or did Charrington kind of take Hazen under his wing? What was that dynamic like uh, now that Charrington's gone and Hazen has inherited his old position? Yeah, you know, I don't think he really took him under his wing, so to speak, just because, you know, these, look, these guys are similar ages. They kind of came up together and sort of a front office farm system under Theo Epstein, where there were two of uh, 
uh, Theo's most trusted guys. I think they spoke the same language a little bit because, look, uh, before Ben Charrington was the general manager of the Red Sox, he was their farm director. You know, when Mike Hazen was hired by the Red Sox, he was their farm director after doing a very good job of that in Cleveland. And um, Hazen and Charrington knew a lot of the same executives with the Indians. Um, so I think there was a lot of history there between the two. And just two like-minded guys. Um, but it wasn't like a, you know, a protege, mentor type of thing. It was just kind of um, two guys who worked well together. But, uh, yeah, I think that there was some skepticism when this Dombrowski hire happened that Hazen would stay within the organization just because he didn't have any history with Dombrowski. I don't even know if Hazen necessarily thought he was going to be sticking around. Because any time, you know, the new boss comes in, he thinks he's just going to want to bring in a lot of his own people. So it's a good story. You know, Mike Hazen's a kid, a guy who grew up in Abington, Massachusetts, um, rooting for the Red Sox. And, uh, you know, he's, he's lived uh, in Boston for a lot of his life. He did go off and work for the Indians, like I said, for quite a while. But uh, you know, this guy's a hard worker, one of the most respected executives in the organization. And he's kind of been due for a GM job uh, for a long time here, so I think it's it's a it's a good story, well deserved that Mike Hazen gets to be the general manager of this team. And of course, another guy that grew up in Massachusetts as a diehard Red Sox fan and one day became the team's GM did not fare too badly. Of course, Theo Epstein, responsible for uh, two world titles and doing a heck of a job at the helm of the Chicago Cubs these days. Uh, and let's talk about Larry Lucchino a little bit, given a nice send off by the Red Sox prior to the home finale on Sunday against Baltimore. Uh, Lucchino, you cannot deny his success, obviously, during his time with the Red Sox, and he has a long track record of success uh, even far before he joined the Red Sox. He's had his controversies as well, of course, over the years, uh, something to, of a polarizing figure to some people. What do you think his Red Sox legacy ultimately will be? Oh, there's no doubt Larry Lucchino's legacy is, you know, just the rebuilding of Fenway Park. I mean, you look at that park. Um, what it is now in the year 2015 versus what it was in 2001, really, when these guys bought the team at the end of the 2001 season. That ballpark is an old ballpark with a beautiful new feel to it at the same time. And this guy is a you know a brilliant man when it comes to ballparks, and uh, he put the right people in place to renovate Fenway Park. And just you know, the Red Sox have never been a more successful business as they have been with Larry Lucchino as their president and CEO. So, you know, even if he's ruffled some people the wrong way in a contract negotiation here or there, maybe cost him a player with his, uh, you know, tough love, uh, you know, bad cop attitude sometimes, you know, there's no question that this guy has done a, did a tremendous job as the CEO of the Red Sox and I think could be in the Hall of Fame one day as a baseball executive. If you look at the amount of championships he's won between Baltimore and Boston, um, the ballparks he built, and essentially Baltimore, San Diego, and the one he renovated in Boston. Um, just so many good things to say about uh, you know his skills in the in the business world. So yeah, I think his legacy is safe. And like it's not like he's he's going away. Larry Lucchino is still going to be around the Red Sox, just uh, in a different sort in a different sort of role going forward. Just kind of that uh, almost like a sort of consultant type of role. But uh, yeah, no no doubt about his legacy. And uh, David Ortiz uh, showed his trademark affection for Mr. Lucchino on Sunday after that uh, ceremonial first pitch. That was a nice little moment uh, before the ball game got underway. Uh, another nice moment involving Don Orsillo. We've talked about him at length over the course of the past uh, couple of weeks. Uh, also given a very warm send-off by the Red Sox and the Fenway faithful. Very uh, touching, heartfelt video tribute shown at the ballpark between, I believe, the 7th and 8th innings. And uh, Ian, I don't know about you, but for me, 
Uh, I've really been blown away by the the total uh, class that Orsillo has shown during this entire ordeal, and he continues to be just a total pro uh, for every broadcast for a, a network, meaning Nesson, that has very publicly told him that they don't want him around anymore, and Orsillo has just taken the high road this entire time. Yeah, I don't think that uh, Don Orsillo could have come across any better than he, than he has during this difficult time. Look, this is his dream job to be the Red Sox broadcaster, really, for the rest of his career. You know, he wanted to be that uh, Vince Scully lifer who you know, really stayed with one team. And uh, Don is another New England guy, uh, Red Sox guy. Um, obviously, he was disappointed by the news. But, yeah, just listening to him on the broadcast and listening to his calls, his calls have been better than ever you know, <laughs> since he found out this news. That's really a credit to Don. That's really a lesson to anybody in their careers when they have adversity of how you should go about your work and not uh, wallow in it and not uh, be a bad influence and not uh, give a bad atmosphere. And I think that uh, there's a lot to learn from with what Don Arcillo has done the last few weeks and how he's handled this. And, you know, it sounds like he's going to wind up on his feet with another good broadcasting job in baseball. So I'm sure we're going to be hearing his voice, uh, you know, for a long time. And you never know what happens. You know, maybe someday he winds up uh, back in Boston. You just, you know, you know, you never know how, you know, which way somebody's path is going to go. The Don Orsillo uh, cardboard cutouts at Fenway was <laughs> was a great scene. The standing ovation. He's obviously beloved uh, by Red Sox Nation. Having said that, though, uh, do we feel a little bit bad for Dave O'Brien, who has done absolutely nothing wrong during this entire process? And he is uh, every bit, in my opinion, every bit the broadcaster that Don Orsillo is. Uh, when you hear him on ESPN's national broadcast, he is uh, top-notch, as good as they come. So, like I said, do we feel a little bit bad for, for him that, again, the guy's done absolutely nothing wrong, but it seems like almost by default he's kind of the bad guy. Not the bad guy here. Nesson's yeah. the bad guy in the, fans, in the eyes of the fans. But, again, uh, I think O'Brien's in a tough spot here. Yeah, no, look, Dave O'Brien is a fantastic broadcaster. And like you said, he didn't do anything wrong. This is uh, They offered him the job. You know, He didn't know the circumstances surrounding Don Arcello. They said, you want to be the, the TV voice of the Red Sox. And this is a, you know, we keep coming back to these local ties with these Red Sox executives and broadcasters. And look, Dave O'Brien grew up in Quincy, Massachusetts. Also, his dream job to be the voice of the Red Sox. And they brought him uh, in as a radio broadcaster in 2007. Um, you know, they won a championship that year. And look, his calls have been just off the charts. It's been a pleasure listening to the Red Sox on the radio and listening to Dave O'Brien every day. And, you know, the, the David Ortiz Grand Slam call and the ALCS, game two of the ALCS in 2013. I mean, nobody's ever going to, you know, forget that call that Dave had. He really just rose to the moment. So it's not even about broadcasting skill. They're both tremendous broadcasters. Um, I think maybe Nesson underestimated just a little bit the personal connection that Don Orsillo. And Jerry Remy has a tandem and formed with these fans. And I think, you know, um, they were looking at it from a pure broadcasting stance and they looked at it, okay, maybe maybe Dave is a little bit of an upgrade over Don as a pure broadcaster. And if you were to score a broadcaster in terms of delivery, voice, all that stuff, maybe Dave rated a little higher. But I think um, the Red Sox and Don are so, uh, the Red Sox and Nesson, quite frankly, I think, Quite frankly, I think we're blindsided just a bit by um, just the amazing connection that Orsillo had with these fans. 60,000 signatures wanting this guy to get his job back. So I don't think 
um, you know, anybody could have seen that coming. Yeah, I, I agree with that. And I think that ultimately both guys are going to land on their feet. O'Brien, obviously, who, like you said, inherits his uh, dream job. And uh, the rumor with Orsillo is that he is going to be the one who takes over for Dick Enberg uh, once he steps down as the radio, I'm sorry, the TV voice of the uh, San Diego Padres. San Diego is, of course, uh, heaven on earth. Is that kind of what you're hearing, too, that, that he will one day inherit that job? Yeah, I mean, that buzz has been out there. It sounds like, uh, you know, he could be in San Diego as soon as next season. It sounds like, you know, Enberg's going to have a reduced role next year, and then Don takes over. Look, uh, Mike, a guy by the name of Mike D uh, runs the San Diego Padres, um, and he was a Red Sox uh, COO for a long time and uh, obviously a big John, Ar- John Arcillo fan. Knows all about John Arcillo, worked with this guy for, I think it was about a decade. They, they You know, they worked for the same franchise. So, yeah, I'm sure that makes sense. And good for Don. Look, San Diego is a great place to live. Um, you know, sadly for Don, the tough part is that his kids are going to remain on the East Coast, so that that's going to be a tough situation for him. But look, San Diego at the same time is, is a very nice landing spot. And you know, who, who doesn't who doesn't want to live in San Diego? You know, beautiful beautiful place. Maybe that franchise will be uh, on the upswing in the next couple of years. Yeah, hopefully for Don's sake. Uh, but even if they go zero and one sixty two to call San Diego your home. Uh, not too shabby. So uh, I think Don's <laughs> going to be okay. Dave O'Brien will obviously be okay. And uh, it'll be good to see uh, on both fronts, certainly, and what has been uh, at times kind of a, a messy situation. But uh, but again, no worries for either broadcaster. They are both immensely talented, uh, obviously. Uh, and as we speak here on a Tuesday afternoon, the Red Sox are actually tied for third in the AL East. Uh, you know, trumpets blare, church bells ring. And it's just been a, a celebratory day in Boston. Uh, how important <laughs> do you feel it is for the players on this team to – to simply be able to end the season without the stigma of another last place finish on their resume. Yeah, you're absolutely right. I mean, it was just built into the narrative that, like, you know, the Boston Red Sox are about to finish in last place for the third time in the last four years. I mean, I don't know how many times I wrote this, wrote that this year in, in passing in a story, probably about a hundred. <laughs> but now, because it just seemed like they were locked into that last place spot. But look, now they're not going to finish last. They, they could finish as high as third. And I think it is important because no, you know nobody wants nobody wants to finish in last place. You know, it's not a not a good look for a franchise, especially one like the Boston Red Sox. And but I think better than where they finish in the standings is the, the way this Red Sox team has played. You know, over the last uh, really over the last month or so. And as I joke that Dombrowski is like a good luck charm because uh, you know they they uh, ever since Dombrowski came in on August 18th, this team has just played tremendous baseball. Obviously, he hasn't made a ton of player moves, so it's just been. You know, young players evolving and that and that type of thing. But yeah, this Red Sox team is finishing um, with a lot of energy. This is in stark contrast to last season, when the last uh, two months of the season last year were highly depressing. Trust me, I was there every day, <laughs> and uh, you know there wasn't there wasn't much to like about what was going on. But it's been a lot more fun. Uh, it's been a lot more fun wa- watching this Red Sox team play. They're playing with energy. Young players are getting better every day. You're seeing great plays on both sides of the ball. You're seeing good pitching. Uh, good hitting, so yeah. This this start is this finish for the Red Sox has been really big, and I think some of this momentum will carry them into the off season and help um, Dave Dombrowski when it comes to making the best decisions he can uh, for the team. That's certainly the hope as uh, the Red Sox plan ahead for uh, 2016. And uh, Ian, just to wrap up here, it, it looks like we have the Ailes version of Clayton Kershaw on the Red Sox staff now, meaning Rich Hill, of course. Uh, you know, <laughs> I thought who's... you were going to say Eduardo Rodriguez, but yeah, Rich Hill too. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. Uh, Eduardo, uh, uh, you know, a close second. But yeah. Rich Hill, uh, I mean, what a story this has been. Uh, three starts, 23 innings, 
a 1-1-7 ERA, 30 Ks in those 23 innings, had the shutout last Friday at Fenway, preserved by Mookie Betts, incredible catch to end the ball game. You know, is is this nothing more than just a nice late season story we can all kind of sink our teeth into and and make us smile, or could this perhaps have ramifications for the 2016 season? I mean, it could. I mean, at the very least, I mean, it almost reminds me of the rookie with Jim Morris. I mean, he has a guy who was a school teacher and forgot about baseball for a few years, and then came back and pitched in the major leagues. And here you have Rich Hill, this guy who was sent home. Uh, couldn't even stay on the minor league roster with the Washington Nationals. He went and worked out with his American Legion team um, in uh, in Milton, Massachusetts there, and said, you know, they're going to try starting again. And, uh, you know, the Long Island Ducks, <laughs> the Long Island Ducks they gave him a job. He had a couple dominant starts there. The Red Sox wanting to fill out the depth in their rotation after a few injuries, just in their minor league rotation, signed him to a minor league deal. And then the only reason Rich Hill even gets a shot in Boston is because Stephen Wright gets a concussion and this team needs another starter. And then, you know, for him to strike out 10 guys in his first three games, I mean, if you went to Vegas and had said, can I make a bet that Rich Hill's going to, you know, strike out 10 guys in each of his first three starts um, since 2009, you could have made several million dollars on that bet. <laughs> you know, it's just like, it's, you know, you probably have a better chance of winning a lottery ticket than seeing this happen. So, yeah, it really has been an amazing story. And just, you know, for Mookie to make that uh, catch into the bullpen the other night to save the shutout, I mean, it, it really is a little bit starting, uh, sort of starting to feel like almost like a made-for-TV movie or even a big-screen <laughs> production. Yeah, no question. Uh, Rich Hill has just been a terrific, a very humble guy, appreciative of the opportunity that he's been given. Uh, had not started a game, period, in the major league since 2009. He goes out there his first three starts and has been uh, just electric and totally lights out. And the one stat that really stuck out to me, uh, he became the first pitcher in Red Sox history and this is a this is a franchise that's had guys named Roger and Pedro uh, to strike out double digit batters in his first two starts. So to to have your name at the top of that list, to have your name be the only name on the list uh, with <laughs> with the names I just mentioned is uh, is truly incredible. And uh, I hope that uh, it carries over into 2016 and uh, perhaps beyond. Uh, we'll we'll see. But it's certainly a great story uh, to end the 2015 season. Uh, Ian, I don't know if we'll speak again next week because uh, the Red Sox are not October bound. But uh, if this is the uh, the last go around for us uh, on behalf of myself and, and uh, Tim McMaster and the other people that have had the pleasure of speaking with you. It's been great all season long. And uh, I know we'll catch up again during the offseason for sure. Yeah, Matt, it's been great going on with all you guys and look forward to uh, continuing this next season when hopefully we have a lot of uh, positive Red Sox news to talk about every week instead of the season where, you know, the, the uh, first four months really we were talking about negative stuff every week and a lot more fun to talk about the team when they're winning and playing well. So, uh, again, I expect uh, the Red Sox to have a pretty good year next year and it'll be interesting to see the way the Hots season uh, develops here over these next few months. It's going to be fascinating with uh, Dave Dombrowski in charge and one of the uh, deepest, richest farm systems in baseball. I'm sure we're going to have a lot to talk about over the winter as uh, we'll see what kind of a team the Red Sox field on opening day of uh, 2016. Ian Brown, thanks very much again, and we'll talk soon. Uh, thank you, Matt. Thank Matt Waymar signing off for MLB.com Extras Boston Red Sox. MLB.tv Premium, the number one live streaming sports service, is celebrating 13 years. Watch every out-of-market regular season game live or on demand in true HD. Real-time highlights, live look-ins, pitch tracking widget, and more. MLB.tv Premium includes a free At-Bat 15 subscription. Watch live baseball on over 400 mobile and connected devices. Watch at home, in the office, or on the go every night on every device. 
Blackout and other restrictions apply. Visit MLB.tv for details.